Ross Lauder runs a software company out of Texas, and he recently came to us with an identity crisis. He felt like his company had so many different products and so many different types of customers that it was impossible to clearly talk about his business and what he does. He brought in one of our private workshop facilitators to help him and his team clarify their message, and everything turned around. I'm part of a, a group of uh, 16 CEOs. We get together uh, once a month, and uh, we, we sit down and talk about our problems and things that we have going on in our business. And I happened to mention that we were running across this marketing problem. And I had three or four of them in the group who all mentioned I needed to start uh, checking out StoryBrand. And so I went and read the, the StoryBrand book and loved it. And I bought it from a marketing department, my sales department. I made them read it. And uh, they were all in love with it as well. And so that's why we reached out to StoryBrand. And Simplifying and getting your marketing and stuff done right and the first time will save you a ton of money, you know, years to come, especially if you get it done now. You, you really can't afford not to spend the money on it. And the private workshop was just, it was a great way for us to go because it, it allowed um, our instructor to come in and sit down with us one on one. It's incredible and it's definitely worth the money and definitely worth having somebody out to sit down and, and you know, walk that journey with you. At StoryBrand, we know that it can be challenging to clearly articulate your business, especially when you have a range of products and services. Our private workshops are a great way to cut through all the noise and give you a clear message to help grow your business. Go to storybrand.com slash private workshops to book a private workshop today, and you can see the same result that Ross and so many others have seen. Congratulations, Ross. Keep up the great work. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., you have been doing a deep dive. I have. Because of your dissertation. Mm -hmm. And you are defending in your Ph.D. dissertation yep. the idea that's helped me, because you've explained it five times, yeah. but I'm not smart enough to figure it out. You're defending the fact that the StoryBurn framework well, makes people money. The hypothesis that I have is that when you change your marketing to be story-based, that brings clarity. Yacht. No. No, not that far, but that <laughs> you will make more money, that your team will be more aligned and be more confident, and that your marketing costs will go down. We're talking about because today's episode is about listening to your audience, surveying your audience, yep. making changes, and the absolute importance of the thing that we don't do, that none of us really do it as much as we should. Yeah. When we launch a product, we got to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Before we launch a product, we got to talk to them about it. Before we launch a marketing effort, we got to talk to people about it. Yeah. We can't just talk to people. We have to listen. We have to engage the conversation. We have to show up. Yeah. All of that kind Empathize. of stuff. Empathize. And in order to test your hypothesis, which yeah. is dead serious, you're yeah. actually asking, does this work? That's your hypothesis. It yep. works. And it works in all levels of business. Yeah. So how did you figure that out? Like, what did you ask people? How did that work? The primary thing was through a quantitative survey. So basically sending out and just getting a whole lot of data from hundreds and hundreds of alumni who've gone through our workshops. And what I found right off the bat, which is stuff we'd already kind of known, but right. basically it works for everybody. <laughs> Whether you're a No matter what size business. No matter what size business, no matter what kind of business, even uh, for-profit, business to business, business to customer, all of that, it all works for them. The only thing that I found that made a difference in the amount of impact that it has on your company is the level of implementation. So the degree to which you actually execute. implemented it. Yep. So the more you implemented it in all areas, even if it was website, emails, or just one, if you implemented it in one small area, you saw that an increase group. in all of those other areas. Yeah. So this is why we bring this up. We don't bring this up just to say StoryBrand works. Hopefully you know that. We bring this up because 
We do surveys all the time. Yeah. Every day, surveys go out yeah. for, to alumni. We look at those. We make changes. But because you actually asked some different questions that we never thought to ask, we've realized this. We mm -hmm. realized, wait a second, if company A implements the strategy more than company B, company A makes more money. That is obvious, right? Yeah. But because the data came back, we actually made a huge adjustment in yep. our business strategy. Yeah. You and I are writing a book called The Story Brand Marketing Checklist. That'll yep. be out next year. We are creating a course called The Story Brand Marketing Checklist. Yep. And we've basically certified over 350 marketing agents that are at clarifyyourmessage.com to help you implement. In other yep. words, if we have stated our goal, our goal is not to help you clarify your message, though we do that. Our goal is to make you money. Yep. And we've discovered there's this huge area of implementation that some people are not doing that. Yeah. And so they're not making money. We need to create entire divisions of our company yep. that help you get the ball into the end zone. Yeah. That revenue stream for us will, you know, be, you know, hopefully five, six years from now, tens of millions of dollars is what we'll get. You'll get hundreds of millions. Yeah. Because we only make money if you make money. But that's tens of millions of dollars we would not have ever probably dreamed about Had we were not it listened. not for yep. PhD smart guy JJ doing <laughs> dissertation work. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we have the data to say that's a smart decision as well. Like we were kind of, we'd listen yeah, to our customers. Right. We were, we were already kind of a little bit on that path. Now we can definitively say, oh, this is what makes the biggest difference in the lives of the people working in these companies. So we're actually going to step into that and help them make a difference. I've got a friend who is on the podcast today. His name is Joshua Dubois. Josh and I have been friends for a very long time. Yeah. And he's actually part of a small group that I put together called the Advisory Board. We mean that jokingly. It's not yeah. our actual advisory board. Yeah. It's just a group of type A guys who run companies. Joshua has started a company called Gage. And Gage, you know, normally to do sort of research or to find out stuff like this, you got to do kind of what you did, or you have to go to a firm, and we've done this too, mm -hmm. and paid a lot of money to find out what people think. Yeah. And he started an app, and you basically download the app, and you can actually either be somebody who offers feedback, or you can actually take whatever product or marketing campaign or whatever to the public all through an app. You can also yeah. call them and you know do it the longer way if yeah, you're yeah. more comfortable with that. Joshua knows about empathy, understanding, and listening really from a couple places. First, he was in the Obama White House for eight years. Mm -hmm. He was a special counsel to the president. We talk about some very beautiful and painful moments in that administration where Joshua had to help the president be present and show up and do these kinds of things, you know, connect with yeah. human beings. Yeah. He cut his teeth there. He's also done a lot in the movie and Hollywood industry and worked closely with Oprah Winfrey on releasing some stuff. So we talk about that. Yeah. The reality is, though, it is counterintuitive to think that you would get a ton of information from going out and listening to, being with, and exchanging information and bonding with your customers. Even though that sounds like something we should all do, Yeah. we don't do it. Yeah. And we don't do it because it's hard. Yeah. And Joshua's a guy who's saying, you got to do it. It doesn't have to be as hard. And here's the sort of questions that you want to ask. And here's the sort of thing you want to do. And here's who you want to be yes. in terms of yep. in connecting with a brand that has empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that if you are not empathetic, you will not connect with customers as their guide. Yeah. We know that if you don't demonstrate competency, you will not connect with customers as their guides. So there's two things, empathy and competency. Today's podcast is about empathy. It's about the financial benefit that happens to you when you start listening. Yeah. And if anything, hopefully it's inspiration to everybody to listen to their customers. But how do you listen? What do you say? And what are the economic benefits? If you listen long enough, you'll hear all the stuff that I just talked about, but also a case study with a cannabis company that came to Josh. <laughs> and it's a really funny story. I'm just unbelievably 
proud of everything that he's done. He's one of my closest friends in the world and a guy who I confide in just almost everything, certainly in business. I don't want to wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Joshua Dubois from Gage. Joshua, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, man, Gage has taken off your business that basically does the thing that it is so hard for every listener to do. Just listen to your customers, find out what they want. That's right. I knew when you told us the idea, you know, just personally as friends, uh, that thing's going to take off. And it did in these amazing ways. But first of all, tell us a little bit about Gage, and then we want to find out what exactly should we be learning from our customers. So the short version is Gage conducts rapid mobile focus groups with tastemakers and experts in different spaces, people who know the marketplace. We realize that current market research is just really getting any 20 or 30 people that you can gather into a room together, not people who have specific expertise or insight in your marketplace. You know, we're sending out surveys to thousands of people. We really, you know, there's a lot of people in those surveys, they're making too much money or they're making too little money or and we're getting distorted feedback and we're making decisions based on that. Most companies are not doing that. Yeah. But even if you are doing it, you're not getting the kind of feedback from specific people you want. Let me give you an example, Joshua, and you tell me whether I'm right. Let's say we're building a platform in which we can develop your entire workforce. I was just on the phone this morning with a fine dining restaurant in Seattle, and I'm wondering, okay, I want to build something for the hospitality industry. What I need then is a channel into hotel owners and operators. I need restaurants. I need resorts. Exactly. I can't go through my database and find those people. We convene Gage, and the website is gauge.ai. We would convene 100 hospitality leaders for you, people who know what they're talking about, who've been in the industry for a while. We gather them together in a panel on a mobile app, uh, the Gage Research app, and we ask them questions or ask them to review your content. They respond right there on the app, and the way that they respond is important. They send us, in addition to text, video, and audio messages. And so you can really pick up the nuance of what they're trying to communicate to you. And we get that all back to you in about 48 hours. And so you're able to, in, in this case, reach you know 100 or 150 leaders in the hospitality space with the type of data that can really shape your decision making and do so quickly. Whereas if you did a survey again, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. So Gage convenes groups of tastemakers and experts in different spaces to help you understand your marketplace, make better decisions and avoid costly mistakes. I've known you for a long time and I've known about Gage for a long time, but just the fact that you said that I think you made a lot of money off StoryBrand today. <laughs> so let me get this straight though. It, going to market, I can gauge interest and get feedback on a product. Wanting to improve a product, I can do it that way. What about a marketing campaign? When I put together a marketing campaign in such a way that people can review it and say, this is not a trigger for me, what would really work is if you worded it this way. Is that possible? Absolutely. Just yesterday, okay. we conducted a focus group for a California-based company. They were testing both product designs and taglines for the product. And so we presented in a video format. And this is all confidential, by the way. On the app, people sign a non-disclosure, um, literally on the app. So they can't steal your ideas. Exactly. We presented a range of taglines. And people gave some really, really thoughtful responses and said, I kind of like this. I don't like this. I think you need to go back to the drawing board on this and so forth. And again, in this case, it was 
was people who uh, were directly relevant for this company. So it, it absolutely is effective and helpful with marketing. I would pay a market research firm maybe 50 grand, 100 grand for that kind of feedback. What am I paying Gage and how does it work? Yeah, the baseline focus group with 100 respondents is $7,500. If you want to add respondents or a quicker turnaround, there's a, some small additional fees for that. And we turn this around. Our regular service is 72 hours. Our rush service is 24 to 48 hours. And we handle all the influencer compensation. We help mock up your content and get it in front of people. And then we turn around what we believe are really, really powerful, insightful reports. And again, the cool thing, and I'll give you, a, I can give you a case study in, in a bit from the History Channel, some work they did with us, is you're not just going to open up feedback from us or just data. You're going to be able to watch videos and hear audio messages from yeah people that you respect in your space who are going to be sharing their opinions with you. I've spent, I think, fifteen or $25,000 on about a 250-page report, a book. Yep. I spent 30 seconds flipping through the headlines. That got to me nine months ago, and I've not looked at it since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, my team has. I should say my team has. I didn't waste money. Yeah. Uh, my team has. But if it were video and all sorts of other stuff, I feel like I'm Donald Trump right now. Just show me in cartoons, and I will make a decision. We're crowdsourcing wisdom, too. You know, there's something about hearing smart people share their views that's really compelling. The deal we did, we actually got approved to use it publicly as a case study from the History Channel. The initial title of the show was The Lost Gold of the Confederacy. It was about some gold that was lost somewhere in the South. They focus grouped the title. The focus group said the title was fine, but there were some executives over there that said, hey, you know, Confederacy is kind of a hot button topic, you right. know, even today. Maybe that's not the best thing for our brand association. And so they hired Gage to push it out, in this case, to a group of minority influencers, people that that were, you know, top folks in communities of color pushed it out and heard back that, yes, in fact, this is going to be a big problem for them, that when people would flip through their TV guide, whether they loved it or hated it, they would have a strong brand impression associated with the Confederacy. And so they're able to bring this report in. And not only did we give them the negative feedback, but some of the respondents on Gage suggested a different title. They ended up taking that title and they, they changed the name of the show. It was the Lost Gold of the Civil War. Small fix, but, you know, just as compelling. And it was one of their... And you avoid a landmine. Exactly. And so in that case, it was avoiding a big mistake, but it was because we crowdsourced wisdom. We got feedback from people who actually knew what they're talking about. Joshua, I want to talk about you know the real reason for this interview. I'm very excited about Gage, and I asked so many questions, not because I wanted to push your product, although I don't mind doing that because we're friends. I'm actually genuinely curious. I think you're going to make a lot of money off of us as we move forward. I'm curious, though, about something that I've known you to be good at for a very long time, for the life of our friendship, and that is empathy. Empathy and understanding somebody else's perspective, especially with your history, because if you don't know Joshua, he was in the Obama White House. He wrote the book. What was the... The President's Devotional. The President's yeah. Devotional. You would basically send the president a devotion, a morning devotion every morning on his Blackberry, and he would read that. And I remember once he said, Don, do you want to send the president a devotion? And I thought, He's not going to read it. I'm not going to write a devotion for his devotion. <laughs> and then I was wrong. You were actually really emailing the president every morning. It's like if I said, hey, you want to come to dinner? Bono's going to be here. You're going to be like, come on, give me a break, to Miller. <laughs> but it was really happening. The need for empathy and understanding in the White House. You've also worked closely with Oprah Winfrey on some projects. You've done a lot of focus groups and the sort of thing that Gage does before Gage existed. You did a lot of that in the movie industry, movie and television. And I'm wondering, you know, when you actually say, okay, I know Green Book, who won the Oscar, came to you and said, we need some help. 
we want some help releasing this movie. This was before the movie ever came out. When they're releasing a movie or releasing a product or whatever, what is it that you want to know from the potential audience? I mean, how do you start? Do you start saying, we really want to know how this will do amongst African-American evangelicals? We really want to know how this will do amongst these folks or whatever. How does it start? I think one of the main things we want to know is how it connects to their lived experiences, where they are right now. And so, I mean, we did some kind of advisory services just on an informal basis around Green Book, but we did lead major campaigns for Fences and for Selma and for some other projects. And part of it is understanding what people need right now. And so in this Green Book moment, for example, in this time where people are just really, really divided and they feel like there are no bridges between the left and the right, African-Americans and the Caucasian community, you know, men and women in so many ways, they need to feel like it's a possibility for a bridge exists. And so part of it is like having people reveal what they need right now. Not seeing people as just like, you know, cardboard cutouts that you're trying to attach a product to, but understanding kind of where they are and, you know, the gaps in their experience and what's both inspiring them, but also hurting them. And then seeing if there's something that you have that can authentically fill that in. I did learn some of this from President Obama dating back to his time in the Senate. And that's, you can't be actors on a stage in this world. <laughs> you can't, mm. you know, I can't be sitting here performing for you, Don, and you performing for me. And it sounds basic, but we got to try to get to know the core of the people that we're talking to and then see if there's anything that we have in our core that fits their core. Is um, that the answer? Are you looking for a sort of Venn diagram of where we interconnect so that you create messaging out of that place? Is that what you're looking for? Absolutely. We're looking at that Venn diagram and finding those points of overlap between something that I have access to and you may need. We're also looking, you know, in the case of Gage, we're looking at places that maybe are not overlapping experiences, but that you know that I don't know, you know, authentic parts of your experience that can help shape or inform mine that I may not already have. And so it's honestly taking humanity seriously. Like, you know, mm. that I think the worst marketing is the type of marketing that assumes that people are easy marks, right? And the right. best type of approach is when you genuinely take people seriously. So when we're going around, you know, in 2008 on the campaign and talking about healthcare, we've got to really feel that thing, man. We've got to really know stories of people who don't have access to care. We got to let our hearts break. And then we got to see if there's anything that we can add to the mix that could actually help people out. I wish it was more complex than that, but I think it's you got to take people's humanity seriously. What sort of questions do you ask Engage in order to tease out the real underlying issues and the way people are really feeling? Can you give me an example of how you guys actually sit down to formulate the questions? Yeah, absolutely. As you know, Don, I'm a Christian and pretty serious, very serious about my faith. We got a request and we ended up executing it because it was legal in the state that they were in from a cannabis company the other day, <laughs> <laughs> who had a lot of money and they, they wanted to figure out in the place where they operated, which again is, is very much legal, you know, what people are going through and how they could build products and design that were relevant. So let's talk about this cannabis company. They come to you and they say, what do they say? Do they say we want to grow the company or they would say we want to overcome resistance, the misconceptions about cannabis? What are they wanting from you specifically? Product design, packaging design, okay, gotcha. and responses on taglines. And so they 
we're trying to understand what are the concerns, the key motivating factors for people who might consider some of their products. We had to think about how to ask the right questions. And the questions we ended up designing were able to get feedback around sort of what people are going through right now, what stresses were in their lives. What, you know, health issues that could be, you know, addressed through this. And I thought it was going to be sort of a light, kind of lighthearted, you know, maybe a little controversial survey, but they weren't using like the cannabis or THC versions of this. They were using CBD oil, which doesn't get you high at all. It's just the right. underlying medication. Right. I give it to my dog. Yeah, they're using it for <laughs> right. kids that have autism and for folks that have MS and other things. We were able to frame the questions that got people to share their experiences uh, ah. with us. And so then like if I read that report, I might go back to the cannabis company and say, most people are using this before they go to sleep, you know, because it gives them a restful night's sleep or whatever. You guys need to put something on the packaging that makes it look like, you know, a sleeping kind of thing or exactly. you know, whatever. And that's the sort of feedback that you're getting. That may be a complete surprise. Some people are concerned about discretion. And so you should make sure that it looks discreet or people are concerned gotcha. about kind of the smell. And so you should really focus on odor control and so forth. Those are the kind of things that, you know, I don't think that we knew before or that we found that afterwards. You turned this around lightning fast. And we banged it out. One of our phenomenal project managers, Kelsey, hates it when I say that we can do 24 hours because we can, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> so, But we did do this one in 24 hours. And we got an awesome panel of over 100 people with some really, really nuanced responses and prepared the whole report and got it back to them in about 24 hours. But that's not our preferred. We'd rather do it in 72. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Can I run through something that has been in my head uh, that I am going to, quote unquote, bring to market? It's not a product. Nobody can buy it. You can't give me any money, but it's a passion of mine. And then you tell me how you and I, I'm actually going to buy services from Joshua right now and we'll let our listeners hear it. I'm very, very concerned about the middle class. The average middle class family has lost about $10,000 of family since Richard Nixon adjusted for inflation. In other words, they've taken a $10,000 hit. In the 40s and 50s, you had a 92% chance of making more money than your parents. Today, that's a 50-50 shot. So the messaging would be, we've got to have less tax loopholes on Wall Street and more tax breaks for Main Street. Less on Wall Street, more of Main Street. Less on Wall Street, more of Main Street. And get that at least that $10,000 back to the middle class. The other part is, if you run a company at all, every single one of my listeners, every single one of them, listen to this. If the average middle class family had $10,000 more, how much more money would you make? You would make a lot more money. So we're talking about booming your business with these simple policies. Joshua, I would come to you and I would say, I need to message this to not tick off Republicans who would misunderstand me by saying Don just wants to raise taxes on the rich. That is not true. And I need Democrats to say, gee whiz, we need to get behind this guy because we've been saying that for years and nobody's listening to us because they think we're socialist, but they're listening to Don Miller. How would you approach that? Would you say, okay, we need seven focus groups. We need liberal Dems, we need conservative Republicans, we need, and I also need the hedge fund guys to say, he's right. We would segment the audiences and then we would go out and recruit people for a panel. People like, for example, GOP Republican political consultants, people that do conservative messaging all day, every day. And they're the ones that are writing the scripts that appear on talk radio. They're the ones that are developing talking points for cable news. We would convene 50 of them and then we'd go get 50 of the same people on the Democratic side who are messaging experts in this space. So that would be in terms of the professionals. We could also pull together. But then I also need the middle class to provide political cover. For themselves. And then 
We would also look at folks who are doing some of that communication directly, the folks who are kind of tastemakers and gatekeepers in these spaces. So, for example, in conservative spaces, that might be the talk radio host, him or herself. It might be the drive time sports talk radio folks that are kind of have a gut sense, a pulse you know, in the same way that you have phenomenal pulse for people in marketing spaces and faith spaces, in business spaces. We would reach out to someone like you in, in any range of those to reach the middle class. We would reach out to people who are communicating regularly with the middle class and pull them into this panel. And then we intersperse everyday consumers as well. And so it's not just the tastemakers and the experts. We also will pull in, you know, someone who's representative of the demographic you want to reach that's making, you know, 45 to 60 grand a year in uh, the Midwest or the South that's married with two kids and pull them into this conversation too to see if the views of tastemakers and experts differ from the everyday representative consumer. Would the report that I get back say something like, Don, if you say it this way, you're going to get the biggest consensus agreement. If you say it this way, you're really going to frustrate these people. They're going to yeah. they're going to start spending money against you because that's the report I actually need. I need to know. I understand the policy. I need to know how to explain it in such a way that nobody misunderstands it and gets angry. Yeah, it would be sort of a heat map in this case where, you know, people were with you until you said this and that thing that you said there, that was their off ramp. They weren't with you anymore. And in fact, they weren't even listening to you after you said that. Yeah. And so we, we would identify those phrases, those words, and some in the case of content, those images that are triggers for people, but also the ones that really resonated with them as well. In fact, we're building this as next generation gauge, but we're building some AI tools that actually assess people's intonation. We'll be able to tell like they were really sped up here. They really got excited when they started talking about this or they really got upset when they started talking about that. So that's that's a little down the road. But right now we would be able to tell you what messages resonated, what people really glommed onto, and then where they exited, where they felt like, no, nah, I'm not with you on that one. We'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Joshua Dubois in just a moment. But don't fast forward me. Wait a second. I got something great for you. If you go to businessmadesimple.com right now, businessmadesimple.com, I will send you every business day a five-minute video with a business tip or strategy that will either make or save you money. These are things that I've learned from running a company and from all the interviews that we've done on this podcast. Just the nuggets. I mean, those nuggets that really, if I do this, things will go better every weekday morning, every single weekday morning. It's like a business devotion. It's a great way to start your day. Make a cup of coffee, sit down, hit play. Five minutes later, you're brilliant. I promise you, it'll keep you from making mistakes that so many other people have made and have cost them money. Go to businessmadesimple.com, businessmadesimple.com, and I will send you a video every single business day. It is free, every day, a free video, businessmadesimple.com. Joshua, back to empathy. Once I understand these positions, I've got to be able to share humanity, create a bond. Empathy is one of the tenets of becoming a guide in the story brand framework. It's empathy and authority. You have learned empathy from the best, and I want to understand two specific people that are very good at expressing empathy. One is Barack Obama, who is your old boss. Second is sometimes your new boss, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> yeah. who you've done some work with. You know, there were some moments in the Obama administration, the Obama presidency, where he called you, and those moments were staggeringly tragic. We're talking about Newtown. We're talking about the shooting in Charleston. You were deeply involved in both of those. 
in those moments, and I understand President Obama is naturally empathetic, but at the same time, you're having to go in and guide him through, you know, what are the goals? And I hate to talk about this like a project management sort of thing, but you're going into Newtown. You've got a devastating tragedy. You have to be very, very careful that every moment is actually you know, calculated so that there's zero misunderstanding about what the executive branch is feeling at this point in time. Talk to me about empathy when the stakes are so extremely high and painful. Fascinating part of the role, man. We, I was with them right before and preparing for the West Virginia miners disaster. Went to the first lady to Oak Creek, Wisconsin after a Sikh temple was, yeah. you know, shot yeah, up yeah. there. And then yeah. you mentioned Newtown and then kind of involved in some ways after Charleston. You know, there's some like Newtown that you just literally cannot prepare for. My role there was to be a part of a team that helped set up the classrooms where the president of the United States met with parents who just a few days before, hours before really, their six-year-old was killed, right? Like, I mean, it's just, even now, it's hard to wrap your mind around all of that. And so part of it was just doing the work. Um, I would say it's a rhythm between guarding your heart and then letting it break. Like you got to guard it long enough and hard enough to be able to function. And I think I saw this in the president as well. There's a certain amount of if he's on Air Force One, or if we're flying in for something, you know, you can't really focus on it at the time, because if you did, you would just be overwhelmed all the time. You had to focus on the logistics or on the preparation. Um, but then right. you open up at the right moment, at the right time. I mean, I saw the tears in his eyes. I saw him hug these parents and these little siblings. I saw him toss them up in the air and try to get them to laugh a little bit or hand them a box of White House M&Ms, like, you know, to just try to break it up a, a little bit. That was, you know, what I learned from him was that, you know, you have to guard that heart for a while, but then you got to really put yourself out there at the moments that matter most. Also just, I mean, not just in those tragedies, but in general, and I mentioned this earlier, you got to really show up. Um, you know, it's not a game that you play. The presidency wasn't an actor on a stage. And you saw that mostly when, you know, he's home at night, he has dinner, he puts the girls to bed, but then he pulls out the briefing book and it spends two hours um, preparing for the next day. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the stuff that you do in the weight room, right? You know, yeah, in the yeah, summertime. Yeah between the seasons that that really matters. And that was probably one of the most surprising things. I guess I assume that when you got to that level, you didn't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. And in fact, I saw even from people that like, you know, a lot of folks may disagree with on things like the president or Valerie Jarrett and others. They I had to just, I just admit they worked harder than me, man. Like they were the first ones in there in the morning. They were working late into the night. It wasn't a game for them. And, you know, d agree or disagree. I, I think that was a really important lesson for me that it doesn't let up when you get to that level. In fact, if anything, it intensifies because it's uh, the work is so important. How much of empathy and understanding is just showing up? Even if you don't know how to show up and you don't know what to do when you get there, you just got to go and you got to walk into the room. It's hugely important. And also, quite frankly, looking people in the eyes. And it's a small thing, but it's something that wow. Barack Obama believes so much in. And he notices it when young people do this. It makes you stand out to him. And I was always because, you know, sometimes I look down a lot as a way of what I'm thinking or I'm processing. I look away. But that was a big deal for him because he felt like if I'm looking you in your eyes and you're looking me in my eyes, we're going to see each other's humanity. And for some reason, that was a big part of his showing up. Another person who has unbelievable empathy and has built an empire through understanding other people and also walked incredibly fine lines on any number of thousands of issues is Oprah Winfrey. 
I remember you invited Betsy and I to dinner at Oprah's Santa Barbara house. And I say that as a humble brag. I, I <laughs> wasn't able to go because my mom passed away. Yeah. But we wanted to. And obviously, we're thinking about other things. You know, the thing that I was looking forward to most about that was just how does she operate in a room? How does she show up as one of the most, if not, you know, arguably the most famous woman on the planet? What have you learned about empathy and showing up and connecting with people and human beings and from Oprah? It's going to be hard to talk about Oprah without also sounding like a humble brag, too, because it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I was with Oprah. And it always sounds so absurd, but for your listeners and viewers, take my word that this is not a humble brag. But one moment that really stands out, we were working on a documentary with her belief, the one that you we were invited to hang out at her home around. In advance of that, you know, I'm a consultant. I was building a PR and marketing campaign and then helping on the content. I could have been one of a hundred people working on this, but she invited me to her home in advance and walked me around her garden and sat down and asked me about my life. And there's literally no reason why Oprah Winfrey needed to take the time to do that. But I've heard that from a lot of people. And I know that she can't do that all the time. She probably can't do that, you know, hardly any of the time. It just stood out to me because she saw me as a real person. I think the other thing that's fascinating about her, a number of things, is how prepared she is, whether it's for an interview, for a meeting. This woman does her homework. She spends hours and hours prepping for these pieces that, and sometimes it's spontaneous, but, you know, if she gives it, I think it was the Golden Globe she gave a big speech at, and she put in work to get ready for that bad boy. Now, I don't know that she anticipated the political reaction was going to be what it was. I think she was probably, probably surprised by that, but she spends time in preparation. She's really careful about her business. She knows what's coming in and going out. She has not outsourced the details of her life to someone else. I mean, she's got a lot of help, but at the same time, she's pretty engaged in the minutia, and that's part of her success. I was thinking we would talk about specific questions that you ask in order to tease out information and all that sort of stuff. But what I'm taking away as both a marketer and a leader is you got to actually connect with human beings. And you can't connect with everybody. That limits the scope of and the scalability, perhaps, of whatever it is that you're doing. But you've just got to connect with other people and take the time to do it and make the bandwidth to do it. And yeah. that can happen digitally in our surveys, but it also needs to happen for all of us in person. Yeah, I think that's the secret sauce for Gage is that like we believe in human connection, real people, real faces, real voices. But we just try to bring some ways to get it at scale and get it quickly. I hadn't thought about it in that way until you said it, which is usually the case when I'm talking to you, that you kind of find a way to capture it a little bit better than I had, but that's the secret sauce. All right, Joshua, how do we know more about Gage? Gage.ai? Gage.ai, yep, just Gage. Spell Gage for us, G-A-U-G-E-E? G-A-U-G-E dot A-I. Uh, it's Gage Research in the App Store. There's another Gage, but we do have the trademark, and so they will soon be changing their name. They don't do what we do. It's a, yeah, it's a Gage Research kind of in the App Store. So there's the best thing for us to do to download the app and skim through it and you see. You can download the app. You sign up. There's a couple pages of sign up. It takes a little while. We're about to smooth out the sign up process a little bit. But once you get on, you'll be able to take some surveys and you type in there what you're good at and why and what you're interested in. And we try to target surveys that are relevant to you. Oh, so this is how you sign up in order to be somebody who would potentially give feedback. Give feedback, yep. You but just, if I wanted to run my company or a project through it, do I call you or do I, can I do that through the app? Go to gauge.ai. There's a form right there on the homepage and we'll set up a call right away. So yeah, it's gauge.ai. There's a little form there. 
on the page, we can set up a call. Or if anybody's really interested, I guess I, what Don, do people give their phone numbers on this bad boy? How does that? Yeah, you got to <laughs> feel free. I mean, if you want the calls, yeah, uh, you could call us at 312-237-0322. Again, it's 312-237-0322 if you're interested in setting up a focus group through Gage. Okay. And as always, Joshua has not paid us. He is an old friend. I only have people on the podcast who have things that can grow your business, and this is one of them. And I'm, I'm dead serious. We're bringing you projects. Don didn't ask for this, and he probably would be uncomfortable. But like from our headline on our website to the way we think about our business, Don's one of my closest friends, but he's also one of the smartest guys I know. It, this is story brand framework. Like everything yeah. you see, if you're compelled by Gage, it's because of story brand. So <laughs> I, I'm hoping if, if folks have not gone through the framework or come in person, you really need to. That's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Well, I'll take that. We want to get the microphone to the right people, and you're the right person. Joshua, thank you so much. All my love to Michelle and the kids, and hopefully we'll see you soon and get some barbecue. Let's do it, brother. JJ, what I got from that, we got the business stuff out of it, Mm -hmm. but just also just as a human being and as a leader, and as everybody listening to this has a huge impact on their community and their families, show up, be human. Yeah. Don't be an actor on a stage. Yeah. Which is sometimes hard when you have something that you you have an agenda. And if you can set that aside and just genuinely listen to where people are at, it not only ultimately benefits them, it does benefit you. But the idea is put your agenda aside and just be present. Show up and be human. And it's okay. It's okay not to have a plan or strategy, you know, not to be an actor on a stage, not to say here's the angle with which I'm going to approach this. I showed up. I care. Sometimes it's, I'm sorry, this has happened. Uh, Sometimes it's, I want to understand the problem of this demographic because we we think we want to provide a solution for it. But show up, be human, and listen. I remember years ago when Kickstarter just got started, Mm -hmm. there were some guys who we were going to make a movie out of Blue Lake Jazz, and we couldn't get the funding. And some guys here in Nashville actually heard about it and said, we're going to try to raise the money. And they went on this new thing called Kickstarter that none of us had ever heard about. Yeah. And it raised 350 grand. That was triple whatever the Kickstarter record was at the time. Of course, now it's millions. Yeah. Yancey Strickler, one of the three co-founders of Kickstarter, flew from New York City to Portland, came into my home, and we had dinner. He had no agenda. He just said, congratulations. That's a great accomplishment. Tell me who you are, what you do. He asked zero questions about Kickstarter. We actually talked about his girlfriend. He just got out of a relationship. <laughs> had a great glass of wine, and he flew home. And I will just never forget it. I will yeah. never forget it. And, you know, of course, I'm a fan of Kickstarter because it supported untold numbers of my yeah, friends yeah, yeah. doing yeah. wonderful things, but also because the founder of Kickstarter, who knew he was going to be worth a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, you're sitting there across from a guy who just found out he's going to be worth a billion dollars someday, yeah. and he could care less. Yeah. He showed up and was human. Mm. And it made a fan out of me. Yeah. So that's uh, great advice. Show up, be human. Don't be an actor on a stage. Joshua, thank you for your wisdom and for your giant heart. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's latest record, Dive Deep, Hushed, on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy. And creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.